probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA. Somehow realize what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody Feels the way I do About you now Backbeat, the word is on the street That the fire in your heart is out is the headmaster, the acting headmaster, and we've just heard his first track, Wonderful by Oasis, and we were just talking earlier about how, um, I don't know, Mr. Jones got very calm, sort of character, very relaxed, and uh, I wonder how, how have you, how has this trait sort of, how have you, you say this is how you've always been, but has, is this something that has an influence on you that's made you so kind of, yeah, just have a very sort of relaxed outlook on life that you know you have your you like to have your um, your m- marginal gains and having you prepare, but yeah, tell us about that. Oh, straight in with the uh, with the big questions. Yeah. Um, firstly, can I just say how cool it is to be on the show? So thank you for having me, and the setup in here is amazing. So anyone who hasn't been down to the Bry Radio HQ or the studio, I recommend it. Um, so yeah, so. Um, Laid back nature. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess I do. <laughs> I, I, I am quite laid back um, by by nature. Um, where does that come from? I'm the youngest of of three, um, so I've got a, I've got an older brother and sister, and I think maybe because of that, my parents there's there's a bit of a gap between me and my my older brother and sister, and I think. Maybe because of that, my parents were a little bit more hands off with me, perhaps, mm. um, because they'd been through it all before. And maybe as a result of that, and I was left to my own devices a little bit more. That that's then come through my character. I don't know. Um, but as we were, we were talking about before, I kind of try not to get too het up about things that that I can't control. Um, so I'm a big believer in preparing as much as possible for the things that you can control. But then there's lots of things that are way outside of of what we can do so with that you've kind of got to go with the flow and 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 ride with it and with public speaking you're saying you weren't that nervous about coming on the show tonight and um you've you're you're having to as a master you're having to do so much public speaking and speaking to people you don't know and 
um, maybe that's where it sort of comes into its own, really, being that not worrying about just being, taking, just living in the moment, apart from talking to people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and again, I think I'm pretty, pretty lucky with that, that I don't get too het up about it. I'm probably more nervous doing this than I am with any of the assemblies I've been having to do or any of the other public speaking. But, but again, I think if you if you kind of prepare beforehand and you know what you're saying and you know what you're doing, then then that takes care of most of it. And then it's it's again, it's just kind of trying to be yourself, really. And I think if you can just be authentic and, and do that, then then you don't have too much to worry about. And tell us about your first track, Oasis. It's a, we were just saying it's a timeless classic. What, what what does it mean to you? Yeah, I love it. I love I love Oasis. So Oasis would be my my number one choice in terms of in terms of bands and things. So yeah, I love Oasis. I I guess I'm in, obviously a Northerner. I'm, I'm from Lancashire. Uh, Oasis are obviously a, a proud Manchester band. Um, and yeah, it's one of the it's just one of those tracks, Wonderwall, that that I remember from. From early doors, I think it's mid nineties. It came out. It's got a close kind of link with um, the Lions rugby team. Uh, they they went on tour to South Africa in ninety seven, and a brilliant documentary came out that followed them on that tour called Living with the Lions in nineteen ninety seven. And then when uh, when I was at school, we went on a rugby tour to South Africa in two thousand. So three years after that, that Living with the Lions tour. Um, and that and Wonderwall was very much the anthem from the '97 Lions tour. So when we went in 2000, it was kind of our anthem as well when we went there. So you know, after a game or on the bus and things like that, it would be Wonderwall that, as a group, we'd we'd all be singing. Um, and I've mentioned in the assembly the other week about my New Year's resolutions, and one of those being to learn to play the guitar and speak Spanish. And speak Spanish. And speak Spanish. Yeah. And speak Spanish. Um, the on the guitar, I can play about sort of half a verse of Wonderwall. That's all I can do. So if you're <laughs> my wife, it drives my wife mad because that's the only thing I can play. Oh, um, we get that, the, whole, the whole song by the end of the year. So that, yeah, that's definitely a target. And tell us about your next track, um, <laughs> Set You Free, which is quite a, you're saying quite a dance hip-hop one it is, is this from it's, your clubbing days it's lively it's lively um yeah so this <laughs> so this i mean we were i was lucky growing up in blackpool because for anyone that's never been to blackpool it is uh i'd describe it as the entertainment capital of europe it it's uh there's a lot going on in blackpool um not all of it good but uh it's it's a it's a fun place and yeah so we were lucky that that on a on a weekend we we had lots of places to go and this is just a track that that was always on and even through to to university days it was always a track that that when it came on on a on a uni night that everybody would be on the dance floor so uh so yeah it holds some good memories
there was a bit in that there was a bit in that song that you didn't recognize because it's a remix or it's something remix, that's added yeah. in but it's maybe been made better or maybe even yeah it's just it's, it's just great, added it's, to it's it it's a great tune great tune <laughs> Um, and we had a bit of uh, Mr. Brightside before that, but we just had a we wanted to give you a flavour for what's to come, so I just wanted to put it in. <laughs> um, but uh, so you were talking about your rugby tour um, that you went on with Oasis. I want was rugby a big part of your life when you were younger? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so at school we um, rugby was the, the the main sport. We didn't have a great deal of choice. There was there was definitely no uh, definitely no river or boathouse or equestrian or anything like that. So for, for when I was at school, it was it was two terms rugby, and that was I can't really remember any other choice to be honest that we had. Um, my my secondary school started uh, when we were when we were eleven, so kind of had seven years there, and it was yeah it was very much rugby focused. Um, so lots of lots of good memories um, from that, and yeah, we were lucky enough to go to South Africa in two thousand, which was a brilliant a brilliant experience, and then we did uh, went to the south of France as well playing rugby. So yeah, it gave gave me the opportunity to to travel and, and doing that with a group of mates as well, which was which was always good fun. And did you enjoy like, the teamwork element of it? And I don't know, did it did it train your leadership sort of prowess? Did it bring out the leader in you? If you asked my rugby coaches, they would probably say no. Looking back, I was a dreadful trainer. I was, uh, I, I loved matches. I just loved, I loved, loved the Saturday. But training during the week, I, I was not a good trainer. So I kind of take that experience with me now. And when I'm coaching, and sometimes you feel a bit of a hypocrite when you're when you're coaching coaching teams and you're maybe suggesting they need to work a bit harder and I know in the back of my mind that I didn't work that hard on the training pitch when I was their age but um, I guess from that experience that's that's what I'm trying to pass on so uh, because if yeah if I trained harder you know who knows but um, so yeah it's about giving you all I definitely definitely could have been a better trainer that's for sure. but what what changed did you what made you put more effort in maybe or how, how did you what, what made you realize that Quite a big sort of self-reflection point. It is, yeah, it is, and I think, to be honest, I think for me, that that aspect of things came came a little bit later on, actually, almost probably post uni, I think. And again, I I don't know if part of it was. I kind of sometimes go back again to being this only child, and my parents being a little bit hands off with me. That, and I'm definitely not blaming my parents here, but um, I hope they're not listening. but yeah, could they have been a bit more? Come on, son, get, you know, put a bit more effort in here. Um, so yeah, it came a little bit later to me, I think, where I realised that your outputs, what you get, all depends on what you put in, and and the harder you work, generally, the luckier you get as well, which is quite, which is which people always say you can, you know, you can be quite lucky, and it's like, well, you've got to put yourself in that position sometimes, and if you work hard, I always think you're more likely to be in that position. Was that at uni then when you realised that did someone tap you on the shoulder and say, "Come on, let's let's you go or go and put more effort in"? Or no, you just sort of suddenly realised actually I'm going to try and really. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's sort of some people get that early. Don't you know? I think without embarrassing you, I, you strike me as someone who you know you work hard in so many different areas of what you do, which is brilliant. And and lots of people get that early doors. And I think. For me, I, whether it was a maturity thing, I just I, I probably didn't mature as quickly as as others. You know, even when I went to uni, most of my mates, most of my peer group had all taken gap years, 
Um, and with that, that bit older than me, I'm a, a July 26th birthday. So I was always really young for my year group at school as well. Um, so, yeah, I think partly it was just a maturity thing for me that it, it didn't come to a little bit later. Um, so I kind of, again, it's all a learning curve and you see that in some of the pupils and, and you hope you can pass on some of your experiences. And you, you studied business and economics at uni, is that, is that right? I studied industrial economics at, at Nottingham, yeah. Um, my brother went to Nottingham. Uh, like I say, he was quite a bit older than me. And when his mates used to come 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 to ours and visit, there just happened to be a group of them who did that course that he got he became mates with. Um, and I just used to speak to them about that. And I used to, to go up and visit him at uni sometimes. Um, and the course just... They kind of t- talked about the course. I loved economics. I did it at GCSE. I did it at A level, and that was kind of the natural progression for me was to go and then do it at uni. Um, so yeah, so and now obviously I, I've, I've got the pleasure of teaching it as well. But you said, um, I mean, this was teaching your plan A or plan B, or would you? Was there a sort of, sort of split and you decided to pursue it over something else? Or? Yeah, I don't think it was even plan A or plan B to be honest. I uh, so I always. My my vision was always that I would go into the city and do the whole city stockbroking thing because that's if you do economics at uni that tends to be the route that you go down, and it was probably my third year that I kind of thought actually I'm not sure that's what I want to do. Um, so post uni I I went travelling for a for a year, um, came back, I decided to buy a couple of camper vans um which i wrapped in crazy graphics one was like a surfer camper van one was like a uh hippie camper van like flower power and i rented them out to like aussie backpackers who went around europe even had some people who went on a honeymoon in one of them um and i hired those out and i did that for a bit because i i took a there's a company called wicked campers in new zealand when when i was traveling i used took one of theirs and it was just basically the same concept um and i thought there was a market here in the uk for that and i did that for for a little bit but it got to the point where to make enough money for it i would need to be located in in london i was kind of driving the vans down because that's where the market was i was driving them down from the north and all this sort of stuff and it needed to scale i needed to have probably 15 20 camper vans a base in london so it required some money to put into it to get to that point and i well, I bottled it a little bit, to be honest. Um, and then decided, I, I went into uh, recruitment. I worked in sales. I worked in an energy procurement company for a while and then decided that that wasn't the area that I wanted to be in. And then one of my best mates is a teacher. And he said, why don't you come into school with me for a week? I think you'll really enjoy it. And I spent a week with him in a, a state school in southwest London in Felton um, and loved it. And and that was it, really. And then I signed up to do a sort of teacher training program uh, where you sort of learn on the job, uh, a GTP it was called. And that's how I got into teaching. So I tried a couple of different things before I got to teaching. Yeah, I like the sound of the camper van. Um, sounds like a Virgin Airways sort of plan. Like you could have, <laughs> I, I you wish could it was have... that successful. <laughs> well, maybe it's the wrong... I mean, I'm not sure the weather would help you, really, around the UK camper van. No, well, it was amazing. So I had to sort of explore how you get, you know, my my biggest fear was that somebody would ultimately break down, like yeah. one of these camper vans would break down in some remote part of Europe. And it had I had this, like, the full European AA road cover and all this sort of stuff and, and obviously all the insurance for it. But, yeah, that was all my – I was always really worried that what 
that that would happen. Luckily, it never did. Um, the vans were great. But um, yeah, it was a sad day when, when I got to the point where I decided that I was gonna gonna sell them and and go and get a proper job, I guess. And you sort of always have that niggling part in your mind where you go, "I wonder what would have happened if if I'd gone for it." But who knows? Oh. Well, your your next track is Mr. Brightside, which we actually we have the remix version, but we don't have. Well, or do we have? No, we have the remix version, which we. I mean, we all know Mr. Brightside, so maybe we don't need to play this one but because unless you want to listen to the remix version but tell us why what what made you choose this one yeah so this was the first gig i ever went to was the killers um and it was like they were wolverhampton civic hall i remember it well i went with two two of my good mates um and so yeah that it's and again it's it's one of those tunes that sort of is always on uh, of an evening and it brings back good memories.
was Mr. Brightside Remix by Jack Lou Conte's Thin White Duke Mix Edit. Um, but, Mr. Jones, tell us about your um, Ikigai. I mean, you did an assembly in lockdown. I think it, it was quite a long time ago, but um, it feels actually like less yesterday, to be honest, lockdown in the winter. But you you spoke about your Ikigai, which is a Japanese sort of um, way of living, I guess. I mean, tell us more about that. You know more about it than I do, really. Ikigai, yeah, it's... Um... That was to, that's to do with, uh, I think it's the Japanese don't have a word for retirement and they don't believe in, in retiring, basically. And part of their longevity and health is based around always having a purpose. So that's, that's what a Kigai is about, making sure you always have a purpose. And if, and if you think about older generations, when they do retire, if they don't have something to keep them going, that's, that's ultimately when people start to go downhill, both mentally and physically. Um, and so... Yeah, always just having a purpose, whatever that may be. And that might be family, um, it could be community, it could be voluntary work, whatever that may be, always making sure that you have a purpose in life to get out of bed for. And that's kind of just part of a much larger well-being sort of umbrella and and an area really, which is something that I have my wife to to thank for kind of getting me into all of that she's she's sort of nutrition is her passion but sort of just well-being and healthy living and it's something that i've really got into and put a huge value in as well um sort of looking after yourself and taking control of your own well-being i think it's really really important and there's lots of ways of doing that whether that's by food whether it's through exercise whether it's really making sure you get enough sleep whether it's making sure that you stay connected to people all those things that I've, i talked about in that assembly are really really important to me because i think it's the only way that you you thrive as an individual is if you feel good um and ultimately it, it tends to come down to yourself how you you control the environment in which you live in so um I've gone on a bit there, but yeah, no, that's, it's, I think it's that's, important to me. That's yeah, no, I think I really I believe in that too. But you, what's your okay guy? I mean, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, good question. Uh, family first and foremost, uh, and that's what sort of keeps you grounded. And even at the end of, the, of a, a tough day or what have you, you know, you're always gonna go home and have some laughs. So, so that's that's key. And then obviously. At the moment, education is is very much my ikigai, my purpose. I'm I'm lucky enough to 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 work in schools and work in education and work with brilliant young people and uh, and have the opportunity to be around them all the time and, and hopefully make little bits of difference here and there along along with the great staff that we have. So I, that will always be my purpose, and you know whatever whatever happens career wise. Um, and I don't see myself necessarily being in the classroom until I'm 85, no, saying I'm never going to retire. Yeah. But hopefully, whatever direction life takes me, that that's education is something that I'll always be passionate about. So hopefully that will be my ikigai. You'll always be active. And I think that's... Do you think that we've slightly, as a sort of British society, we don't really value it as much as we should, sort of the self-care and the ikigai? Sort of it's, de- I mean, it's definitely more topical now than it's ever been. Which is which is great, you know. Well being as a, a as a topic area has has only really taken off in I don't know what last ten years maybe, um, and there's so much more out there now about well being, which is which is great. But it's it is it is taking responsibility for it yourself, and I think sometimes it's it's easy to expect other people to 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 
to look after your well-being. And I think, you know, we, we've obviously got to create, help create an environment here. You know, if we're talking about the school, for the staff, for the pupils, create an environment where well-being is a priority um, and, and making sure there's opportunities to do that. Um, but I'm really passionate about people taking ownership of it themselves as well do you think when you were growing up you it, it that was that it wasn't a thing maybe that well-being and do you think you, you missed it oh it definitely wasn't a thing when i when i look back at what i ate it, it was awful like dreadful um and now yeah certainly from a diet perspective um but i was always pretty lucky that i was active um i was always pretty lucky that you know we used to I guess screens weren't a massive thing when I, obviously mobile phones weren't and computer games and stuff like that. So we're pretty lucky from that side of things. I think it's it's tougher now with that. So um, obviously it has benefits in terms of keeping connected, but it also has negatives. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a big thing for me until, like I say, it was, it was, it was Emily who, my wife who got very much got me into it because it was her passion. Um, but now I feel lucky that i've had my eyes open to it so with your kids now are you quite a strict dad with screen time and food and um, you try and impose that because because it's so important to you now do you think they are you know they're going to get to a point where they just binge i'm sure <laughs> yeah. of it because emily and i are pretty pretty we've, we get we've got better as they've got as they've got older you know we're not like you go to a kid's party it's like you can't have the party bag it's not like that but we definitely moderate what they do have um, you know, they go to bed pretty early. They get lots of good sleep. Diet-wise, we're really keen that they do eat well. They're just at that age now where the screens are becoming a thing. You know, if we leave our phones around, they will snaffle it. They'll be on it. They know the pin code. They swipe. Like Archie knows how to download games on there. So they're they're at that point now. It's it's his birthday in a few in a few weeks. He wants a um, Nintendo Switch for his birthday. So we're we're at that point it's like at what yeah. point do you allow it it's, yeah what do you think the balance is because uh i mean personally i've had quite my parents have, are very relaxed with um that sort of thing and it's actually made me quite i sort of put that pressure on myself to self-rate i i, I kind of sort of self i mean is there a point where actually it's up to the individual to sort of come discover have that self-discovery on their own well massively yeah and it's about scaffolding isn't it you know I mean, with, with, he's seven. So does he have that? Does he have that ability to understand it all yet? Yeah, no. So if you don't get it to, it's one of those things. You don't want him to be the only kid who doesn't have one. All his mates are talking about it. So yeah, it, we'll probably give in and do it. And then, but then it's just about managing it. You know, you have to certain time slots and when they're young, and then and then scaffold it as they get older. But yeah, because I think if you ban them completely, then they're probably going to be worse when they're older. Mm. So it's about like you say, you've got to allow them to do it and make make some of their own decisions. Tell us about your um, fourth track, uh, Walking on a Dream. Walking on a Dream, so MGMT. So this is a track that I associate uh, post-uni after I said I did a, you know, did a few things after university and then I had two of my best friends at uni They who did a similar course to me. They did go into the city and they did, 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 they did that for a few years and then they were at a bank called Dreads in the Bank and they got basically that bank went through a whole restructuring and they got made redundant and they got this huge payoff and they basically went on the most incredible year out where they just you know they went and did six months in a ski ski resort six months traveling and and i went over and joined them for a few a couple of months in mexico guatemala and belize which was really cool it was brilliant i really enjoyed it and this was just a track that I, don't, I associate with that time 
um, that period of my life, which was really good. sort of um believes in guatemala and mexico so. it does it does no worries just taking it easy traveling yeah good times yeah. so what do you do to obviously this is a pretty full-time job being head headmaster at the moment what what do you do to relax and get out of the bubble i guess yeah it, yeah it obviously is full on but it's one of the one of the things about teaching is uh, you can kind of you break it down into six week chunks which is amazing and you don't realize just how how great that is i think sometimes um so uh, that's great and and you kind of have things you, you plan your holidays and i think that's really important so when those when you when you do finish terms or half terms making sure that you've got loads of activities planned so that you you feel like you're making the most of the breaks that you've got um and for me again with the kids being the age that they are it's 
it's just kind of no time to sit, sit around and relax. So my, my, whenever I'm not here, it is spending as much time as possible with them. Um, and trying to do lots of different family activities. And I think, again, we're, we're, we live in an amazing part of the world where we've got the coast, we've got the countryside. So there's so much that we can do, uh, which is which is great. Um, so yeah, exercise, sport, all that sort of stuff is really important for me. Um, and it's my sort of release, I guess. And uh, what, what book would you, you're allowed to be when you get cast away on the desert mm. island, you're allowed to take a book with you, what, what would you take? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I'm I'm not a particularly practical person. So that would worry me if I was on a desert island. I would be concerned about how, how I would survive, to be honest. It does not come naturally to me, those practical skills that I would require. So I think I'd need to take some sort of SAS survival skills book in order to just get me past get me through the first 24 hours because after that point I think I'd be in big big trouble I'm not a kind of Mr Curry-esque who would just thrive in that environment and make this amazing shelter and be able to not just survive but thrive there I would be in all sorts of difficulties pretty quickly so for me it would be a it would be some sort of survival book that would literally guide me through until hopefully somebody sails past and sees me and comes and saves me do you think you'd enjoy or maybe you would really not enjoy being on your own on a desert island? And I'm quite, I'm, uh, as much, I, I mean, I, I love company and I love people and being around people, but I am also quite happy with my own company as well. So there would definitely be a period of time where I'd be happy just to kick back, relax, be with my own thoughts. But yeah, I definitely after 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 a few after a few days, I'd be like, I'd, I'd definitely start struggling. And what luxury item would you bring? Yeah, again, it's a tough one. I think I would go for a set of golf clubs. Would you, would you bring a ball? As well? I definitely need a ball. Yeah, I definitely need. I definitely need a few balls as well. No, my golf. Um, so, because the thinking there is that if I was going to be stranded, I could I could make a bit of a golf course. So I could plot some holes around the island and then every day that would give me a bit of a purpose. I could get up, I could, you know, look after the golf course. I could go around, play a few, play a few holes, measure myself in terms of seeing if I could get better. And that would give me something to do during the day. So that's why, so yeah, that's why I went for the golf clubs. Yeah, oh, very practical. I like that sort of, yeah, something to keep you occupied. I think you could get quite bored. On your own. Um, tell us about your last track. You said your your kids helped you choose it. Yeah, so last track, um, this was definitely a family choice. So in the in our car, it's always radio on, having a good sing along, uh, and and both Archie and Jamie love love singing. Archie in particular at the moment. So we went through some of their favourite tracks. Uh, there was a few few good tunes in there. Um, Shotgun was one by George Ezra that was popular, but at the moment this is this is the song that when it comes on it's turn it up, daddy, and and Archie and Jamie love love singing along to this one. So that's why that's why this one was chosen. Well, thank you so much for listening to. I mean, thanks so much for sharing with you sharing with us your Desert Island discs. And um, yeah, I hope you'll be okay when we cast you away to the island. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's almost been a bit like a therapy session. It's been great. Yeah, so. that's great. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's been no great worries. fun.
Just passing through 